Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. They're putting the band back together. They did it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend a night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 21, and we're calling this one A Whole New Westworld as we dive into the first two episodes of Westworld Season 3. We ain't holding back here, folks, so uh, please beware, there'll be spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen the first couple episodes, I'd probably advise you to hold off, go watch them right now, and then come back and listen to this, because... Well, we ain't going anywhere anytime soon, folks. My name is Todd, and with me as always, uh, and he is coming to us live via videotape, beta, if you will, from the middle of America. He is the Big Papa Pump to my dog-faced gremlin. Y'all know that Big Papa Tim is your hookup, so holla if you hear me. Holla if you I hear give me, you brother. the man they call Tim. Hello, hello, brother. How are you? What's going on? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm well. Hey, it's uh, we it, we're 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 sliding into week three of lockdown, so uh, oh. you know it's uh, it's 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 fine. It's it's good. Life life is good. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're not very good at lying. You know that, right? No, it's 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 been it's been fine. It's it's been nice being home and you know getting outside for a walk every now and then and. You know, Every so often you get a Steiner line, the one of the teenagers. Just that's, to keep them <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, they don't take kindly to, to, to me wearing the old, you know, high school wrestling headset gear there and, you know, wolf wolfing at them or whatever. But, well, uh, you know, they'll get they should be used to that by now. I mean, yeah. you've been doing that for how many years now? Oh, I mean, my you gosh. used to do that when we when we were roommates. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Oh gosh! So, just in case anybody doesn't know, we are talking about the Steiners yes. of uh, of NWA and WCW fame. Were they NWA? Was it that long ago? They yeah, they, they were part of NWA WCW, and they okay. had a stint in WWE, and then they were part because of because everybody has at this point. Basically, basically everyone's made the trip. So, um, and and cash that cash them million dollars. Make money, money, make money, money, money. That's right, and and so they were brothers, uh, Rick and Scott Steiner. Rick Steiner, the dog face gremlin, as they called him. He he kind of wore this this uh, basically uh, amateur wrestling headgear, and whenever he get into the ring, he would get in there and just start barking like a dog, running in a circle. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> it's, it, you know what? It really is almost a holdover gimmick from the eighties. Oh my god! Because you could get away with that. I mean, yeah. kind of loud junkyard dog hacksaw hacksaw Jim Duggan, ladies and gentlemen, a two by four, and basically looking like yep. you only have two brain cells to rub together. <laughs> and that was a gimmick. <laughs> that was a gimmick back in the day, ladies and That's gentlemen. That's right. It was, and and then and then you had his brother Scott, who uh, 
for for a while they they were they were kind of just like these uh, you, you know playing up the fact they were from you know from uh, I think Michigan. they both yeah they both went to University of Michigan and they were these athletes very athletic guys. Um, I I will say the, the the one thing that really caught my eye when when I would see them wrestle whether it be WCW or WWE was the, uh, the they were the first team. I mean, maybe not the the first team, but they they were the first team I saw that that did that maneuver where uh, Scott put uh, their like one of the guys from the opposing tag team up on his shoulders, stand mm-hmm. with his back to the turnbuckle. Rick would basically be up on the on the top turnbuckle, and then literally do a bulldog. You know, I mean, it, it was incredible to watch because it was you know at that time that that was like you know some pretty high impact maneuver right there. Kind, yeah. kind of on the level of demolition a little bit you know i mean it was it was pretty nasty so they they, they had some pretty cool pretty cool maneuvers uh very, very fun team to watch uh and, and then of course they they got a little goofy in the 90s with with the whole wcw you know resurgence and stuff so i would actually say that there that that move was was better than demolition because demolition was only off the second to, uh second rope that's and true that's if true. i'm remembering right that was off the top rope oh yeah yeah you know that's that's a little bit different. And actually, the more I've the more I've watched, like some after we talked about demolition many many episodes ago now. Oh yeah. After I've I've seen that a couple times, it gets a little less impressive as you watch it. I I don't mm-hmm. think that they ever got right, the right camera angle for that, mm-hmm. at least to match up with what some of the stuff that happens now. That's just yeah. my opinion though. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, there's your there's your wrestling history lesson for the evening, folks. You're that's you're right. welcome. That's right. So before we dive too far into things, thank you very much for downloading and for listening. We uh, do hope that you're a subscriber. If you're not, hey, have we got a deal for you. Right now, if you subscribe, you get all our episodes for free. Tell them, Todd. Tell them about it. And you get them for free anyways because we ain't making a red cent off of this (laughs) thing. So, you know, subscriber, don't subscribe. Eh, whatever. So you can subscribe on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. You can go to freerangeidiocy.com. That will take you right to our Podbean page where you can get all of our episodes, all 20 and now 21 of them, uh, including the last two, which we've you were mentioning before we got on here. We've had special guests the last two episodes, and we also had a guest a few episodes before that with Jimmy Dice of the Scruffy Looking Podcasters. You can also follow us on the social medias. We're a big fan of the social medias here on the interwebs. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and, uh, and the Twitters, all of those are at Free Range Idiocy. We are working on a YouTube-type deal. I don't know if it's going to happen. Are we? I'm trying, but, man, I'm having almost as much trouble with that as I am with Spotify. You know, it's almost, it's, it's almost like now that you have overcome the, the Mount Everest that was Spotify, you, you now have to find your Mount Vesuvius to then climb further. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I've gotta, I've always, I'm always striving, sir. I, Usually it's striving for really asinine things, but I'm always striving. You are. You are. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a striver. You are. He's the striver. <laughs> I don't even know what that is from. I don't so either. So let's move on. Let's move on to the big question of the evening. <laughs> Obviously, Tim has got a head start on this one from me. Uh, sir, oh, what you drinking? To alcohol. The cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Uh, I am sampling tonight uh, from Revolution Brewing here in Chicago, uh, a robust porter that they, uh, you know, very simply call Eugene. That's what it's called. Eugene. Seriously? It's seriously. It's got a picture of a uh, kind of an older guy holding something above his head, and he's looking happy. 
So it's it just says Eugene Robust Porter. That is what I am sampling tonight. Huh. All righty then. Uh, for my behalf, I am having a Glutenberg Stout, which I've had before. It is quite lovely. Millet and buckwheat beer. Mm. Straight out of Canada from the fine folks at Glutenberg. Glutenberg. Uh, mm, yeah. What's <laughs> Glutenberg USA, everyone. <laughs> no. No, it's... <laughs> the thing is, I I went from I went from English to French, and it messed me up. So it's uh, it's from uh, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, ah. and it is imported by uh, a company in Massachusetts. So if you're looking for it, and as far as if you're looking for a gluten-free stout that is somewhat mass distributed, because this is not everywhere. I've just happened to have seen it at a couple different places. Glutenberg is about the only game in town. There's a lot of little uh, gluten-free breweries around and some of them do stuff but this is the only one i've found that i can get a hold of readily so if you if you happen to be gluten-free uh, of the celiac variety such as myself and you're looking for a stout this is the place to go nice so 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 you're you're yeah. doing a stout i'm doing a porter uh it's, i know this is a tasty little number actually uh it's got 6.8 abv so it's good stuff i'm not sure what the abv on this is let me take a uh this is five percent so i'm i'm drinking the i'm drinking the the weaker beer wait wait (laughs) i've been called many things in my time that's not one of them usually but uh (laughs) from from montreal (laughs) but i'll take it so anyways we're going to move on to the the subject at hand which is uh, the first two episodes of season three of westworld and we have We've kind of we have not made mention of Westworld nearly as much as uh, some of our other favorite shows. However, I think this is probably in this is definitely in my top three of best television shows that I have I have watched. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and when I say that, I mean watched in in uh, in real time, yeah. not gone back and watched because there's 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 way too much to judge there because i would all i would have to figure out where to put mash because i didn't watch mash when it was out but as you know when we were in college and mash was on like 24 7 depending on the channels that you shuffled around i was always watching mash oh yeah so but this is one of the one of the best ones i've ever seen in real time as it happens Mm -hmm. i would be willing to bet would you put it in a similar category or or are you going to frame that a little differently uh no i oh i I thought you were going to say same category as say Battlestar Galactica or something like that but but uh well kind of yeah because for me it really would be I mean honestly Battlestar Galactica this and actually and actually Watchmen mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. probably right now my top three yeah I I would I would agree with that um it, it you know it definitely has a different feel to it it's not a it's it, it, like I wouldn't put it in the category as BSG because it's it's like BSG it's more because BSG was kind of such a different take on kind of a, a, a known quantity uh, of a story. And, and it took it in a, in, in a lot of different directions, as we've talked about in the past that, that we really enjoyed. And for, for me with, uh, you know, with Westworld, it's uh, it, it's it's just a for, for me, at least I, I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, if you go out into the interwebs there, there's a lot of differing opinions on it. But for me, at least, I think the, the the writing, I think the storytelling, 
is is just is just top notch. Um, I, I I would say I I don't think it's at the same level with BSG when it comes to telling stories with relationships. I think it's a little it's different. You know, it's it's not the same kind of depth and feel. But at yeah. the same time, there's a lot of threads going at any one time. And and you know, one one of my comments, you know, just you know, kind of in this section of what our overall thoughts are. There there's always a feeling of disorientation in some way, shape or form as you're watching throughout the season only for it to come together in this very masterful way, you know, yes. and, and that's the thing that I really enjoy, you know, about watching the show is I'm okay with not knowing exactly where things are going or what these characters are doing or like, I almost feel like in, in some ways, certain shows, you just get kind of into this lockstep pattern of understanding or predicting or, kind of seeing you know five steps ahead where the story's going and with westworld uh -uh. (laughs) well no and that's that's why i kind of put it in the same category as Watchmen because there is a good portion of time that i'm i am i'm watching an episode going i don't know what the hell is going on anymore right i I really don't i have no idea what's going on and now i'm even questioning what i just watched last episode or last season yeah like did i even did i even see that or did I imagine that now? Because it's it's they they do such a great job of just the shell game of like what's happening, what's happening. Oh, you think it's over here? You think you think the point is over here? No, it's over here. Yeah. W- wait a minute. Yeah. What's happening? What seriously? What is going on? Especially once we get to episode two. At that point, <laughs> in episode two, there was a moment where I just I paused it and I walked around the room for a couple moments, just going. Now, if this is this and this is this, then. Then I don't know anything. I, I I'm I'm I am now totally lost. Yeah, yeah. And and they managed to open up the show in a whole new way that I wasn't quite prepared for. Right. Which is an amazing thing to do in season three, mm-hmm. especially when you've already. It feels like they've already done this several times, and they keep doing it, and they keep doing it well. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and and it's funny because b- between those three, Watchmen, Westworld, and BSG, all three of them you know, are, are based on material that had been done before in yeah. some way, shape or form and w- whether it was TV or, or movie. And, you know, with, with, you know, with Watchmen, especially, I, I think what Watchmen has over both of them is that was such a different, that was such a masterclass in taking something that had been established and had, had, you know, fans who understood it a certain way mm-hmm. and did something extremely creative and different with it. While while keeping it within the realm of of the universe that it came from, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like with Westworld, that was a complete kind of rebooting or rebuilding of 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 what that thing was. I mean, it started out in 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 a very similar way to, you know, like I never saw the movie Westworld. You know, the the old was that the Yul Brenner movie or something like that? I think. Um, um, I believe so. Let me just take a quick look. In 1973. Yeah, yeah. So, so I I had never really seen that, so I didn't come into this with any preconceptions. But but they started from the same premise essentially, but then they they really kind of, you know, took it in a very different direction. And you know, like season two of Westworld was a complete mind trip because you didn't know what was going on. Oh yeah, um, actually, you know what, Tim? Why don't you do me a favor? Yeah. Uh, since I don't know how many people have have managed to go back and watch season one and season two, would you just uh, in the I don't know forty seconds? Would you would you just summarize season one and season two for everybody? 
Yeah. So, so season one was basically establishing Westworld. Uh, so we're, we're basically we're in the future. Um, and I was just kidding. You're, and you're taking this on, like you are braver than I am. Cause oh, I'll be like, uh, I'll do stuff it. happens. <laughs> I'll not, I, I could I couldn't figure out how to, I wouldn't know how to summarize it but you know what go ahead I'll 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 try to summarize it this way and you know there's going to be a lot of detail that's going to get missed here but let me explain no there is too much let me sum up but but in the end it's 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 in the future uh it's it's this essentially this park of sorts where people can go and uh essentially live out basically play a role if you will in a certain aspect of this particular world and uh in the process of you know doing this you're interacting with these robots that are very that are essentially human um they basically have narratives that they follow so they essentially so, so one of the themes in the story is this idea that you always live in in, a, in essence in, in a loop you know you mm-hmm. continue to to live through a loop of sorts and which they did so well in season one like that reset at the beginning of each yeah. episode was like was just with just like one or two minor differences or something. It was brilliant how they did that. Oh yeah, oh. and and the whole season was how it started out very controlled and very structured, and it just completely over time just completely fell apart. And and you had at the end of season one, you had several of the robot characters functioning um, independently, you know, with their own independent thought. Basically, you found that. This one character, Dolores Abernathy, who was this, you know, damsel in distress sort of character, uh, have this alter ego that was programmed into her, which, of course, now I'm completely spacing out on on the name. Um, oh, yes. If you can look it up. Son of a. But I'll, uh... I'll I'll just keep going. So so basically she has the split personality and flips into it when toward the end and basically leads this massacre of 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 park guests and, and starts this essentially this revolution of the robots rising against the their their masters and so forth and then season two is really screwed up because you, you have one of the characters who his name is bernard who you're trying to follow what's going on through his memories and his memories are all screwed up but essentially uh it's it's playing out the robots um you're starting in the aftermath of the revolution um you come to find out that well, it's it's going to be really hard to summarize season two. Actually, now that I'm starting oh, to yeah. talk through it. But, oh yeah, it's it's because it just it it again it just raises the stakes and and not necessarily just the stakes in terms of like the stakes for the the hosts and the humans and all that, but the stakes of absolute just like bat spit insanity. Like that mm-hmm. moment when all of a sudden they stumble through the door and you're used to like Westworld and you're thinking, oh, Westworld is this park and this and then all of a sudden you're in like feudal japan world like you're in east world and yeah the, the park is that bigger moment. when you realize the park is bigger than you realize ah right yes bigger on the inside do you like it yeah that moment of like what the freaking frack is going on here and mm. then of course this continues in season three where now we get yet another well, another well, two. There's there, there there's one key spoiler though out of season two, and I'll say it's a spoiler. So if you haven't watched, don't don't listen any further. But the biggest discovery toward the end of season two though is the realization that it isn't just about that they're not just selling the ability for people to have these experiences. And and when I say experiences, a lot of times people who come into the park are really kind of expressing these really negative, you know, immoral oh, yeah. sort of choices that they can't like, make out in the real world. And base desires. Yeah. Yeah. Like very violent, very, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, tr- it's it's kind of an indictment of sorts on the on, on the human race to see how how awful they they are to these robots. And of course, these robots can be reconstituted and then brought back to, to rerun their loop. But at the end of season two, the biggest discovery was that not only were they selling the ability for people to come into the park and take part of it, but the fact that they were basically, uh, you know, recording and documenting and, and, and saving their experiences in the park and basically analyzing them and coming to an understanding that all humans basically follow a similar loop uh, as, as the robots do that they, that, that as, as they have studied and, you know, we end up finding out that, that one of the owners uh, or one of the guys who financed the park, you know, was trying to do this as some weird way of, of achieving immortality, but it was flawed, you know, as soon Mm -hmm. as, as soon as his, his, his duplicated self realized it was that, that reality, you know, his wife was no longer alive and that things were not the way he remembered them. He, he, he mentally just started falling apart. And so, so there, there's, there's this whole twist on it where they, they have, you know, essentially recorded the, the consciousness and, and, and the memories and so forth of all these people and trying to sell this data and so forth. And so it was just kind of a, a real interesting sort of, you know, take on elements of what we have today, you know, in, in our world with, you know, cloud services and and this ability to kind of save data wherever you want and pull things from different areas and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And and really kind of put a futuristic spin on it and 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 then relate it to people. And of course at the end of season two, the big thing is uh, you know, Dolores and, and a few of the robots, not all of them, but a, a couple characters make it off of Westworld into the real world. And that's where we start in season three. I mean if we only had a wheelbarrow, that would be something. Yeah. And then of course a whole bunch of others were their their kind of personality their 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 soul if you for lack of a better term yeah yep was taken was taken into this alternate space and yes. saved yes along with uh with Maeve which is uh Thandi Newton's uh mm-hmm. daughter yep yep and it was it, again it's just it, it's, here's the thing like they they managed to do and I will agree with you I I think they they don't get necessarily as into the individual relationships but i think that's a function of the fact that these relation these people uh the characters are in such flux yes because you have so many coming to real coming to almost like these sentient moments there is a lot of interplay with the relationships but it always seems like the the relationships are uneven yeah never at the same place right and so but the moments that they did try to do that there's a lot of like big kind of philosophical questions that raise emotions Mm -hmm. but all of the interplay with like Maeve's daughter and uh and Dolores and um oh my gosh what's his name uh the by the way Wyatt was the alternate personality yes yes Um, Wyatt yep Teddy you know all of that there there was this undercurrent of it but it was there was always so much happening and there was always like that one character who just either Maeve or Dolores who just knew exactly what was going on and the other ones are still playing their loop you know, and it was just, oh, man, I, I do feel like there's a lot of emotion, but it's almost like it's they're they're finding a way to draw the emotion out of the viewer as yeah. opposed to playing the emotion the, like the, they're, they're trying to get you to play the emotion out inside of yourself rather than on the screen in front of you, which mm-hmm. is kind of a, a remarkable trick. And I think that's why this 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 show has been really incredible, I think. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and one of the more remarkable shows I've I've ever seen. Yeah. And I, I do feel it's fair to not necessarily do a direct comparison to Battlestar, but oh, I yeah, do feel yeah. like 
I feel like the writing and the the craft and the skill that's going into this, and also the acting, mm-hmm. the acting in this show is freaking phenomenal. Oh yeah, like even even some of the the lesser characters, like the lower echelon characters, are just so good. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. The uh, like even from episode two, um, Lee Sizemore, who, mm. who uh, again spoiler, who who ends up meeting his demise in season two, he comes back in episode two. In, in an interesting way and you know he 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 was like, like you know like you said his impact on the storyline wasn't wasn't tremendous but he you know he was kind of a bit player you know the guy who was writing all of the narratives that these characters would follow but but he was just such a memorable and you know kind of funny character you know in some ways mm-hmm. um you know he was, he was almost kind of like the, the the comic relief of sorts as, as you're dealing with this very kind of serious and severe situation so so yeah but one one point you brought up that i didn't really cover very well is is that idea that that they're able to download consciousness and and, yes and that that's an important point because that that's a way that that dolores is able to bring and we don't know who they are at least up uh, at least in the first two episodes they haven't really made it clear uh who exactly it is she brought out of 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 westworld you know she Mm -hmm. she just had these five spheres and we're not entirely sure who those spheres are so yeah and so I, before we dive into the actual episodes, I th- one of the things I just want to point out in, that I think going to the, the acting piece is I think specifically Thandie Newton, Evan Rachel Wood, and Jeffrey Wright are so incredible in this show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Evan Rachel Wood has played a, a different version of Dolores. Like, I, th- I think we're on like Dolores version four right now yeah and they're all just different enough from each other but there's also this this thread that goes through it i mean she is turned into such a badass in this show Mm -hmm. like mave kind of same thing like but i think mave was a it was a little like i i I love mave's character too like just that kind of suave like you know, oh my! I can't even describe really what it is. I just think that character is just great. Yeah, she just cracks me up. Just like, like I was gonna say, cracks me up. She, it, it, like a wry kind of smile on my face as she's like just chewing scenery all over the place. It's yep. amazing. And Jeffrey Wright is fantastic, just fantastic. And again, all of them are playing these characters that are changing so dramatically throughout mm-hmm. the course of of two seasons and three shows now that it's really remarkable to watch and to and for them to kind of keep that straight because there's always elements of prior incarnations somewhere at play in there right and right. It's, it's just fantastic and I love the fact that you know really the two the two the two main you know characters in this really kind of have emerged as like the two women and they are just they're both badasses and mm-hmm. they are not to be messed with whatsoever no. Nope. You know, nope. I mean, either Maeve or Dolores cut you quick. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and honestly, like you said about, about playing the emotion through you, as opposed to, I, well, I forget the other way you put it, but, 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 you know, one, one example from season one is, you know, that, that we see that there's a character that I, I haven't really even talked about yet, you know, that's called the man in black. And mm. he, um, oh, and, and Ed fricking Harris, dude. Ed, Ed Harris. Fantastic. Oh, and uh, and, you know, we end up seeing in parts of season one how he, you know, is very abusive toward Dolores. And then toward the end of season one, you see why it start to break out. And it, it, it was a pretty, pretty entertaining scene to see her 
you know, beat the beat the tar out of the man in black after seeing mm-hmm. what he had been doing and everything. It was it was really interesting to kind of see. And, and you're 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 just kind of like emotionally you're built up for that moment, you know, like, yeah. like everything coming, you know, leading into that just has kind of, you know, built it up to that point so that when that happens, you're just like, yes, you know, this is what you know, this is what you want to see. But oh, yeah, that um, bill came due in a big way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So let's let's actually get into some of the let's get into the two episodes here. Let's talk about these and let's let's go. Let's well, hey, let's start with episode one because that makes sense. And and why don't you kind of lead through this? Because honestly, I feel like you have a better grasp of the of this because I, I don't know for whatever reason I'm still finding my way through this season. I'm having a real hard time orienting myself. Maybe it's because I haven't gone back and and I I was wanting to rewatch season two before this, but it just mm-hmm. didn't work. Yeah. So I'll let you I'll let you kind of take the point well, on this one, I, if you will, sir. Sure. I, I mean, but 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 I think what you're what you're describing uh, and, and I'll be honest, I'm I'm in a similar boat in a lot of ways is, is this continuing theme. You know, it wasn't as apparent in season one. It was definitely there in season two. And it's and it's there like I, I would say it's been ratcheted down to about like 60, 65 percent so far in season three. But there's this sense of just not knowing where mm. things are going and not really understanding at times why things are playing out the way that they are there there's a certain amount of i don't know if it's world building or context building that goes on every season and you 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 kind of just have to to just sit back and ride it out you know what i mean like it, and not even enjoy the ride i, I don't want to say enjoy it but just experience it because as you do that and as they start building to a point where they start connecting things together then you start to get a real appreciation for for what the story is that they're building up to, and so in in yeah. in the first one, you know, we we see it, it's very uh... actually one. Let me let me just because I want to talk about that just for one second because I think that part of what is and it's just kind of coming together for me now because you had mentioned before I think in a prior episode or or maybe when we were just talking about this, but the idea of the unreliable narrator, mm-hmm. yeah, and and I think there's that. Because you, you can't rely on what anybody is really saying. No, you know? no. And, and then also the fact that they played with time so well over those first two mm-hmm. seasons that if you've, if you've immersed yourself in this world, you are now just, you're used to the fact that it could be any time. Mm-hmm. It could be anything that's happening and every, anything that could be told to you is a lie or it's a character who doesn't know that what they're saying is a lie. Right. Like right. they could be self-deceiving themselves. So you have you have absolutely no idea really what to believe because even some of the things that you took for granted before, and they've even done that now in the in the beginning of season three, mm-hmm. with with at least one character where you thought, okay, I've I've got the grasp of this of this character or this corner of it, and like, no, you don't. And then they just tip the board the other direction by saying, oh, by the way, it's this actually happened 20 years before mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and this didn't happen and this person by the way they're a host and this person you know it's like huh yeah what's what but, but, but i'm lost so i think that's i think if you've gone along for the entire ride that's i think maybe that's part of the reason why we're both two episodes in here going i don't really know what's happening Probably because we've been condi- we've been conditioned to this at this point. Yeah, yeah. Would you agree? I would agree. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you know what? It's not us. It's them. So we're all good. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's it's. I feel so much better already. Yeah. It's uh, well, and and you know, in some ways, uh, the, the show reminds me a little bit of Lost, where every season it kind of pulls back a little bit 
you know, for, like like the world that, that you're aware of and know. You know, we, we start in season one of the show just focused on Westworld um, and, and really, you know, some of the buildings in, involved with managing, you know, the park or at least that part of the park. Um, and then it pulls back a little further, like you talked about in season two, where we see there's there's more to the park than just one world. There's there's, you know, this feudal Japan. There's this other one. And then, you know, in season three, we're now in the real world. And yet there's still, you know, other realities that we're, we're kind of, you know, experiencing as we get into episode two. So mm-hmm. it's 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 very much, you know, kind of a, a zooming out of sorts uh, from from one through three and. So we'll see uh, what, what level we zoom out to here in, in, in this season. But yeah. but but with episode one, we're, we're I, I mean, we don't really know how much time has passed since since Dolores and uh, a few others have left the, um, you know, have, have, have left the park. Um, we, we find the, the characters in, in kind of some some odd situations. And so, uh, you know, starting with Dolores herself, you know, the, the, the first episode starts with her just kind of. Uh, going after this character who we've never really met before and, and she we know, got herself a boyfriend well not in the very beginning uh she she had to go apparently smack around boyfriend's daddy i think is what happened there well but uh, you know, hey. <laughs> but, uh these things are never easy you know it's just it's uh i love it is it is well actually we do have kind of an idea of time because when the episode starts that character uh uh, I forget his name, but he he's the father to to the son that that she's getting involved with, and um, he uh, he talks about how he wants to pull his money out of whatever investments he has in the Delios company because of the massacre that has happened. So it can't be that too too much longer after that. I, I mean, maybe they gave a time frame, and I just wasn't paying attention. But uh, uh, son of, hang on a second, yeah, Fucking cat. Oh jeez. What's new, pussycat? What's new, pussycat? That's, that's that's my bad Tom Jones right there. She's a demanding little furball. All right, where were we? Ah, that's where we were. Yes, we were. Salute. 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 <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so we were starting off with her basically uh like like we don't understand why she's attacking or 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 persecuting if you will this this guy, but there's there's something that you know, he's, he's had a bit of an abusive past and uh, and she's it seems like she's almost kind of raining vengeance upon those who have gone to the park and have mistreated her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was kind of interesting. Yeah. And I think that, again, it's just I, I thought even the interesting part starts with the name of the episode, which is a uh, parse domine, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, Latin. And I guess it's, it's a form of a Gregorian chant, which, again, the fact that. These guys just go real deep on everything, including the episode name, which apparently uh, is translated as Spare Lord, Spare Your People, Be Not Angry With Us Forever, which you can take that in a couple of different ways with this. Mm-hmm. That could be from the human side or that could be from the host side, which I think is is kind of interesting. Yep. I, d- I did like the fact that in, w- in this first show, they were able to introduce this whole swath of new characters and did it in such a deft way that it j- I'm just like, okay, yeah, all right, cool. Like they, I've now been conditioned to just be like, hey, we're starting off and you have no idea what's happening. Sure, okay, I'll watch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, like a good little Westworld fan. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, just all these characters coming at you. And, uh, and Aaron Paul's character who is, you know, he's 
obviously, you know, you think he's talking to this uh, to this old buddy of his, mm-hmm. and then you find out that it isn't. Yep. And I mean, how is that going to play into this whole information thing that's been gathered and profiled from the parks, and you know, all of that is is really going to be, I think, it's going to be really interesting how did, that plays out. Did Did you pick up the name of that thing? I I call it the globe thing in our notes, and I'm not, in, uh, I I didn't quite pick up the name of it. Shoot. It's okay if you don't know it. Um, uh, I don't off the top of my head, but let me see if I can find it here. Go ahead. But uh, but ha- have you noticed like one interesting aspect of these episodes now is there is this cutaway to this white screen with kind of it almost looks like an eclipse of the sun. But then it kind of points out like a location on like there's this dark circle and mm. then this, you know, some text appears, which usually calls out like a city and, and some sort of happening that's going on there. And I think if I had to guess, I think that's related to this globe, this this algorithm they, they keep referring to. That is this uh, that is kind of keeping structure in, in, in I don't mean to say in life, but it, it, it seems like people are kind of predestined for things in this in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certain tracks that they are meant to follow and that this this algorithm or this this kind of overarching system kind of governs. What, you know where people are supposed to land and what they're supposed to be um yeah so in some interesting ways it's kind of like you know similar to what the hosts were going through except now we're talking about the real world and the opportunities that are afforded to people given you know certain factors which is which is kind of what aaron paul's character of caleb is is kind of uh personifying yeah i can't figure out what the what the name of that thing is I, I feel horrible, but no, you, no, actually, no. you know what? I don't feel horrible because there's so many friggin' details in this. Like, I have a feeling that I'm not going to catch everything until I go back and watch everything again, which is almost going to be impossible because this is not a show that you can watch when any kids are around. <laughs> and my wife hates these kind of shows. Yeah. So I, I'll probably have to like just grab some no dos and a pot of coffee and just watch it all in one night, which will be ruinous to my health. But hey, I'll enjoy it. So uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting through this whole thing uh and you brought it up here is is bernard oh yeah this idea that that bernard is now a fugitive and that he's as you put farmer bernard which i I thought was hilarious but it is such a great description and having that having now this little clicker thingy that apparently he can now like it's like a switch that he can talk to himself or set his own commands or i don't i don't even necessarily understand all of that do you do you get what that's doing exactly well, here's what I can't tell. First of all, before I go too deep, what a beard. What a beard. <laughs> I, oh, man. I mean. Jeffrey Wright can pull off a beard like no one else. I mean. Man wears a beard. No, wait. He, <laughs> some, some men, a beard wears them. He wears that beard, man. <laughs> he owns it. Well, that beard is he. Well, no, 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 no. And 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 it's not only that. It's 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 not even just the beard, but just that that whole shaved head beard look is just like something fresh for his character. Who, you know, going back to season one was this guy who wore you know his glasses at the tip of his nose. Who was oh very, yeah, totally or, professorial. Very very professorial. Very, you know, just uh, just a, a very different sort sort of look. Um, you know, for him. Did they have him in a tweed jacket with the leather patches? I almost feel like they did. I think I think there was a pocket protector involved. Uh, I think there were were several pencils in the pocket protector. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, his, his evolution has been very interesting, and so yeah, we, we find him kind of on the run, which 
so this is an area that I'm a little confused by because I didn't get the sense at the end of season two that he was being pinned for this massacre. But I suppose that does make sense because mm-hmm. he was one of the, the, the characters that they found. Yeah. You know, and 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 the one who seemed to have the, the least amount of rec- uh, of, of uh, recall well, as far to... as what was going on and stuff. So it just made him did more they... suspicious. Do they really find him? Because all of the all of the copies, all of the Bernard copies were in that um, were in the house, the like the the mini forge underneath. Um, they they were under like Robert Ford's the house that it was his old house in the in the park. Oh yeah yeah, I think it was called the forge, wasn't it? No. Well, was that the forge? No, because the forge was a was a bigger location. Like there was a. There was one of the tanks where they could build hosts there, but mm-hmm. it was it was older. The forge was the one that was like the main hub that had all. That was the one that that, that made the little the little cue balls that go in the back of the mm-hmm. host head that contain their consciousness and stuff. But it, all of his hosts were were hidden back there. So I think that I'm not sure that people really understood that he was a host. Oh uh, right, right. So I think they they've they kind of pinned it on him because it's like, well, we don't know where he is, so we're going right. to pin it on him because somebody got to take the fall for this because we just lost a butt ton of money because mm-hmm. it does come down to business. It, this is really just any kind of big disaster or big big industrial failure, uh, corporate failure. Somebody got to take the fall for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. I think he just happened to be the dude who was highest ranking who was still alive. Right. And that's just where they pinned it. Yep. That's just my thought on process on that. Hey, just real quick, that globe thing is called Rehoboam. R-E-H-O-B-O-A-M. Rightio. And it's a strategic planning AI. So, Well, and it seems like, especially not to jump too far ahead, but at the end of episode two, they really are trying to get humans into those loops. They're trying to, mm-hmm. to create a world of sorts. And again, this is something that, that they've done really well over the over the course of th- uh, two some odd seasons now is the idea of what is reality. Right, right. And what is, is reality on its own or are we creating reality or is reality being created for us? Right, right. Well, and, and you know, what's funny with the Caleb character, we're kind, I know we're kind of jumping all over the place. I'll come back to Bernard. But what's funny about the Caleb character is in, in, the, in that first episode and I think in parts of episode two, when he wakes up in the morning – it's the same sequence for him. You know, he, he's the character where you most kind of see the, the the loop happening. And, you know, again, without, you know, getting too, you know, paranoid as far as how the story plays out, we don't know if he's a host or not a host. So let's assume for now Mm -hmm. he's human, but there's a certain amount of irony there that as a human, that he is the one who is acting most like he's in a loop right now, as opposed to the robots who are in the real world that are actually forging ahead you know, Dolores is forging ahead and trying to make her own reality and, and you know, kind of make her own destiny in terms of what she's trying to accomplish. So oh, totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, before we before we started recording, I was talking to you about even as you know, in the world that we're in right now, where we're, we're not we're being encouraged to kind of stay home and and to avoid contact with each other and, and all these things. And, and kids are home from school and everyone's doing remote learning and remote work from home. I mean, work from home, if you're lucky, a lot of people are just not working. This whole thing is just all skewed, and we were talking about how I'm, I'm trying to keep a a somewhat normal routine. My yeah. day, if 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 I do it right, is very much like that. Like my alarm goes off at a certain time. I, I actually feed 
my animals in in the very same order (laughs) as I do pretty much. It's like I have a set loop that I'm going through every morning. Mm-hmm. And right. it's I, th- I think a lot of people can identify with that. Like how many people take the same route to work every single day? Yeah. How many how many people take the same route home? How many people have a weekly loop of like, oh, I do this on this night and this on this night and this on this night? We are creatures of habit to some degree or another. Even the most, you know, rebellious or uh, free spirited. There are some routines that we all have. Yeah. And it really it, I, I think it, it cuts into that. And it's like if you're. If you're really aware and watching the show, you kind of rec- you see that in yourself. It's mirroring it back to you, like, oh, right, right, that could be me. Yeah, it's not quite Groundhog Day, but close to damn enough. Well, and and going back to season two with Delios, I mean, they they said that uh, not they, but um, I, I forget what the characters were, but I, I think it was when uh, Dolores and Bernard were in the forge and they were they were kind of reliving one of his memories and how his son, his virtual son, Delios's son was like the guide for them. And he was saying that they had run this simulation a million different ways. And it always came back to the same event that defined his life. And, mm-hmm. and just that idea, like you said, that there's just these patterns that we all kind of live to in, to in, in some way, shape or form as, as much as we're trying to, you know, kind of be creative and forge our own way and create, you know, like I said, with Dolores, create our own destiny, there's still patterns that you fall into. And yeah. And so, you know, so with Aaron's Paul's character, he, you know, it was just kind of ironic that of all the characters you saw as, as a human, he was the, the most kind of stuck in a loop. And and, you know, his only means of recourse was to um, there's just this weird app he keeps going to on his phone called Rico that he's like, you know, picking up these different illegal jobs to do um, yeah. to, to, to make some extra money on the side or something like that. So. But going back to Bernard, when you asked about the the, the button he hits, um, I, you know, I, I'm not sure what that is yet. I don't know if it's like two, if it's literally two sides to Bernard, similar to what Dolores has, where there's, you know, peaceful Bernard. And then there's like this, you know, Wyatt version of him. Or if it's or what I was thinking is, is it possible there's two persons inside of him? Why? Well, I, I almost feel like it's he he now that he has become self-aware as a programmer, it's almost like he's able to run the test mode and then pull him pull his consciousness consciousness kind of out of that Mm -hmm. so that he because as those hosts are in that you know maintenance mode or whatever they call it i've um when they're in that mode they don't remember any of that right like they're 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 just strictly in this maintenance mode he's able to snap himself out and split at that point where i think it's it's more it's more like he's able to pull himself back and give himself commands so that when he goes when he comes back online Mm -hmm you know he adheres to those commands that's that's that was my take on it i didn't know if you had something completely different but it kind of sounds like we're somewhat similar in our confusion and our somewhat understanding of it well yeah i mean i mean given the information we have up to this point we don't really know what that is i mean i i think what you described makes sense that there's almost kind of like you know you know with with on on linux computers for example there there's a mode called the super user mode or a root that you can go into and when you're in root mode you can do Pretty much anything you you can basically nuke the system if you wanted to. It's like what you just described with Ber- with Bernard taking that step back out of his consciousness almost is like kind of that root mode. He goes into this mode hmm. where he can self assess, self diagnose. You know, you know, run system. It's very very technical, very you know, kind of um, not not logical is what I meant to say, but um, yeah, and analytical. But but at the same time, yeah, yeah. he switches into that mode when he goes you know, into this kind of rage when he's getting, 
you know attacked by these guys. Well, it's almost like he resets his parameters. Yeah. Like he because I, I forget what he says exactly when that happens, but he, it's almost like you know don't worry about their safety or something, and that's it. Almost like takes away those those restrictions on his behavior, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and so that he can be that person. And then when he snaps out of it, it's like, oh, right. <laughs> Look what I done did. Whoops. Right. Right. Sort of feeling. Yeah, it's it, it's just strange because he, yeah, because because when he hits that button, you're you're right, he can go into that mode, but it just seems weird to me that he's in that mode in an analytical way and then also in a very physical way. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so it's it's not entirely clear what that is. Well, it, it makes a lot of sense to me, like you say, like the super user or the root, mm-hmm. because that was that was initially that was really what he was doing when he was when he was head of uh, the department where he was in charge of all the hosts, that's very much all the stuff that he could do then. It's almost right. like he's now figured out a way to do that for himself. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought that then the interesting part of going from from there into episode two, talking about these loops, is now we get to see that same loop happen with Maeve. Mm-hmm. But now, hey, guess what? You know, it wasn't just Westworld and Eastworld. Now we got Warworld. Warworld! Why not? I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it, it, it. All right. Just Nazis now. A, a, sure. Absolutely. Right. Well, hey, and, and, and before we seg into season two, I just got our episode two. I got to say one thing. Tommy Flanagan, baby. Tommy Flanagan. Chibs from Sons of Anarchy playing the I, I don't know what his name was, but the enforcer of the rich kid. That's what I'm going to call. <laughs> he played the enforcer. He got his tail kicked by Dolores. And now. Oh, yeah. And now apparently he, he is one of them. So, uh. So it's 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 a spoiler I should have alerted to, but no, we've already we've already announced spoilers. If anybody is w- listening to this without without having watching these two episodes, they're they're getting what's coming to them. That's that's how I'm feeling about it. But but basically, exactly how Tommy Flanagan got his at the end of end of episode one. Yeah, I I mean it, it was it was such a um, well done you know scene where where you you think I I mean you you know that they don't have one over on Dolores that something is going to happen with her. But what you don't oh, yeah. plan on happening is the fact that what is revealed in in, uh, in in that whole sequence is the fact that she apparently has the ability to uh, to manufacture copies of, of people. Mm-hmm. And and I, I believe, you know, again, we don't know who those spheres are. I don't know if one of those spheres was this character. I don't know if she has some ability to have access to the the consciousness or the memories of, you know, that, that person who, you know, who has been in Westworld, but basically she's using that stuff to manufacture these duplicates to now infiltrate, um, you know, these areas where she wants to get into and, and get her hands on, on this technology, this, this Rehoboam system that is apparently some aspect of her plan. Which is interesting because the more I think about it, I wonder if, if she has access to some of that information in some way and can create more of those little, you know, mm-hmm. brain balls, whatever you want to call them, yep. brain spheres, or, you know, and, and that the ones that she took are strictly from the park. Because I'm thinking one of them's Teddy. One of them's got to be Teddy. That's what I thought, too. Supposedly he went to that, that sort of heaven, you know, the, that land beyond or whatever they called it, the, the frontier oh, yeah, beyond. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was supposedly, I mean, he was supposedly killed hmm. um, in season two because That's right. okay. cause, cause they, you know, in season two, another key thing that happens is they lose, you know, I think Dolores chooses to basically eliminate their ability to replicate themselves because she felt it made them more dangerous knowing that 
the life yeah. they have is the last one. There isn't going to be any coming back if 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 they're killed. Um, yeah. And and making them, you know, kind of challenging herself to to survive at an even higher level than she already had. And um, so, so that supposedly that's what happened to him. But I was wondering the same thing. I was wondering if he uh, if he was one of those fears. I also wonder with with Tessa Thompson's character, if um, even though that's her body, if it's if it's really Teddy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, too, especially given the kind of the coming next on Westworld thing at the end of a. And, and for people who haven't seen T- Teddy is basically her. Her uh, her romantic interest in her narrative loop in Westworld. So ah uh, yes, the star-crossed lovers never meant meant for each other, but never meant to be. Who yes, who who uh. always seems to get his tail kicked no matter what happens. <laughs> that's oh it. yeah, that's, that's Teddy's loop is getting his tail kicked. So wasn't it wasn't that Ed Harris who said that like your your role is to be the loser? Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, that was awful. That was, that's rough. That, that was rough. That is rough. That is rough. But I think I think the cool thing coming at the beginning of episode two, which is called the Winter Line, yeah. is of course we get we get a tidbit of this at the end of episode one, mm-hmm. but then really at the beginning of episode two and throughout episode two, we get Maeve coming back in this loop mm-hmm. in what is apparently I believe I believe it's Italian they're speaking, so we're we're dealing with Nazis in Italy, I believe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she is apparently part of this resistance storyline, which then goes completely in a different direction once uh, once we get through the uh, killer opening absolutely killer opening mm-hmm. to this episode literally and figuratively as as is the case with Westworld the only HBO show that actually has more casualties than the average sopranos episode because <laughs> uh, the I mean somebody gets off every like five seconds in this episode oh yeah I mean in this show but um but at the killer opening and where we get the return of Hector and then all of that goes to to pot and then we get into the episode proper where now if you thought your mind was bent before this mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. oh you're in for a treat yep so why don't you oh i mean i'm not even really sure where to start with this above and beyond saying i love that opening sequence and then what the hell well let let's let's start with bernard because i think what they do in episode two is is they play you know this what what we talked about before that this Westworld sleight of hand with reality because yeah bernard is on a course to go back to Westworld proper uh to to find Maeve, which we find out is somewhere in the in the southern pacific yes is where Westworld is yes. which i we never firmly established, if I remember right, where it was exactly. Correct. Correct. Yep. Now we, we kind of have a generalized location. Yeah. And so he, he goes back there with the intention of, of trying to um, to find and, and bring back Maeve because he feels. And, and again, we, we don't know why he feels this way, uh, other than the fact that her, her character in seasons one and two, she she develops or she gives herself through um, through the help at, at the park gives herself the ability to remotely control characters to uh, to get into systems that, you know, she shouldn't have had access in. So she, she was in a lot of ways, the super user that I was telling you about. And, um, and so she, uh, so, so Bernard's going back there for that purpose. At the same time, as you said, Maeve wakes up in this war world and mm-hmm. she's, you know, she has the same kind of understanding and consciousness she had before, you know, she met what we thought was her end in, in, you know, the last season. And so we're, we're kind of following 
these two narratives thinking they're going to intersect at some point, but they don't. And we end up finding out later on that, you know, Maeve's control unit or, or her, her globe, her, her sphere of consciousness mm-hmm. was, was, was removed from her and, and was running somewhere else. And what, what I really liked about, you know, her, you know, kind of how her, uh, how her character works through all this throughout the episode was how she starts to test the system around her. Yeah. Like she, oh, she, she knows so good. Like she knows she's somewhere in, in a simulation. So she's trying to find ways to basically, and, and, and I love this because it's one of those things, you know, you, you do as a, as an early CS student is, you know, as you're writing CS beating computer science, uh, as you're writing, you know, your first programs and you're making mistakes where you do things like infinite loops and stuff like that, you, you could bring your, you know, at, at the time, at least when I was going to UNH, you, you know, the computers we had, you, you could bring the performance of the computer down if you wrote a loop that just kind of kept going and going and going and going. And so she mm-hmm. starts doing these things like asking, you know, the, the park employees about, well, what, what's the square root of one? And, oh, no, is it a square root of negative oh, one? square root of negative one. Thank you. Thank you. And that was the, that's the only thing I remember. I have no idea what that means, but I do remember that. Because it's one of those complex math problems. What she starts doing, she starts slowing the system down <laughs> because yeah. because she starts putting, you know, these characters that are part of the system to work in a way that taxes the system. And she gets and a, they do it in such a great visual way, too, because they're, they've got those two arguing. And then she takes that bust. Yes. And I'm like, oh, she's going to crush someone's skull. Yeah. That, that, that was my first thought. Like Maeve is just going to like like crush one of their skulls in front of Lee Sizemore. And then she throws it. And it just hangs there. Yep, yep. And, and and then and then and then his expression afterwards, like what? The? Yeah, <laughs> it was beautiful. No, it, so it, oh. it, it it was a great way to bring him back. I mean, his his character was so funny, and and that, that... Well, but in a great a great visual way to illustrate what you were just talking about, like that slowdown in the simulation. Yeah, like, to make it so that even someone like me, who as I'm listening to you talk about that, like my brain started sweating <laughs> inside my skull. <laughs> You sure that isn't the hot sauce you had the other day? Or <laughs> you know what? You're going to take me back to episode 20. Fine, I deserve it. But it, but it's a great way for people like me who who even though we kind of get it yeah. to really illustrate what that means. Absolutely. A, yeah. What it would mean in a if if a computer was controlling a physical environment, right? And does it in such an elegant way that even if you know nothing, you're like, oh, I kind of get that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was it was very very well done. Um. So yeah, you end up finding out Maeve's in a simulation of 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 Westworld or Warworld, and Bernard is in the real world. Um, well, but now, do you? Th- it seems like the entire idea of Westworld now, like where does a simulation end? Well, is the yeah. is the entire world a simulation? Not like Westworld or Warworld, but like the world with a capital W. Like where where are the limits of this simulation? Where what's going on exactly? That's the part that, you know, again, I think is going to be one of those things that will get revealed toward the end of the season, I believe, because um, and, and I'll go back real quick to episode one. There's uh, I think it was episode one where um, Dolores is with her her new boyfriend. And, and this this guy is the son of, of the, the man that, that she that she kills at the beginning of episode one who created this strategic A.I. And as they're out on a date or something like that. Um, they're with another couple and 
this guy is ranting and he's on something and Mm. he's ranting and raving. He talks about how, what if it's a simulation within a simulation, which is exactly what you're saying. Like where, where does the simulation end? I'm wondering if that was a small clue as to where they're going. If we're going to end up finding out that there is this, there, there, there's something going on. That's, that's, you know, not quite real. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? And I find it interesting that supposedly in the in the real world there's a system caught in a landslide, no escape from reality that has somehow been created by man that is able to kind of pigeonhole or or guide people into certain tracks, you know, of 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 opportunity, of career, of life. I, I'm just yeah, it, it just makes you wonder if it is. Uh, you know, like like you said, where does the simulation end? Yeah, and I think it's, I almost feel like, and maybe this is me just getting a little too cute and, and overthinking it, I think that's a, I think that's a diversion by them. It seems a little too obvious for them to, to sell that out in the first episode and to drop a hint there. It almost feels like they're trying to, they're trying to throw you off track. It's going to be something... It might be something close enough to that where you're like, oh, I should have gotten that. But it's going to be just off enough that we're all mm-hmm. going to go, what? Yep. Wait, oh, now I, because that, that's how I felt like the entire damn show has been for me. Yeah. Like, I, I should have gotten this. Like, it should have been easy. But they do so well moving the shells and, and making you like, no, no, look over here. Look over here. Oh, look over here. Look over here. Oh, exactly. Which is exactly is interesting because it's it's exactly what you do in a theme park. Yes. Yep. You know, yep. and and I always I always go back to the first time uh, when we when I when I when we took my daughter to Disney a couple of years ago, and it was the first time me being to to Disney World in Florida mm-hmm. since I was like a teen like not even a teenager probably like eleven twelve when I went with my parents and just looking at it from an adult like it is being on the inside of a machine mm-hmm. and the way that they make things work. And the fact that, like, you know, just just a little fact, like, you can't really see anything inside the park from outside the park. Right. Like, you see a little bit of Space Mountain and maybe a little, but you can't see Cinderella's Castle. Yeah. Like, you, just the way that they bring you in on a bus and everything, you don't see it until you get into the park. Mm-hmm. And even then, when you come to the main entrance, like, you don't see it until they want you to see it. Right. When you have that hero shot right down Main Street and then it's there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it just came out of freaking nowhere. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And then, I mean, just the idea, like, uh, I don't know, not to go too far down Disney rabbit hole, but the fact that, like, Disney has a proprietary color called Go Away Green. Really? That they, figure, they figured out, like, they, they, they did a study on it, and they found a, a shade of green that blends with all kinds of backgrounds that basically they, they found that the human eye just kind of ignores this. Like it just, hmm. you're, you're, you almost erase it without, you don't pay attention to it. Oh, interesting. And that's what they, that's what they paint like the buildings and back of facades. Um, I think they even paint trash cans and stuff like that so that you don't notice them unless you really go looking for them. Right. Right. And it's, it's fascinating that you, they do all this stuff, but that is the, you're controlling the environment, which is exactly what you're going to do in a park like Westworld and then you take it out to the larger world, and now, hey, we've got this big globy thing that is kind of doing that on a worldwide scale. It's controlling how you perceive reality. Mm-hmm. Like, where the hell does the where does the simulation end? Right. I want to know now. Right. 
I don't want to. I, I kind of want to wait the rest of the season, but I kind of want to know now, which is really kind of a good place to be in. I think when you're that anxious to find out what the hell's going oh, on. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. And and they they do such a great job of you know, like I said, you you don't know where it's going, and 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 that's a good thing. Like like any time you can predict where something is going to go, it it, it just it, it takes a bit of you, you know, like like I still watch The Walking Dead and. And very much, you know, where they are right now in in season ten is, I mean, really, since going back to season six or seven, they've really been following in a lot of ways the 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 comic um, in terms of of timeline sequence, and and it makes sense because the comic kind of sets the pace of what the story is. But mm-hmm. but when you're aware of what the comic is and what all the kind of high points are, you know where it's mm-hmm. all going. You know what I mean? Like like yeah. like there's no surprise to it. There there's there they, they've tried to to bring some surprise back by, by swapping different characters in to different events to make them play differently. And, and in some cases that's worked okay. And in other cases it's, it hasn't, you know, and, mm-hmm. but, but with this one, you just, like you said, you just don't know which of these three options are going to play out. And like you said, once you see it happen, you look back and you're like, Oh, that makes total sense. You know, yeah. why did I see that coming from a million miles away? But, um, but yeah, it's 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 just the 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 craft of telling that story and of of building a world where there's all these different paths you could go down that make sense is just to to me is is what what makes their storytelling so good. Yeah, and they do it and they they do it in unexpected ways. Like another example is is one of your one of the things you mark down here on our outline is uh, bringing back Stubbs. Stubbs. Who you, who you, who you oh my gosh you're brilliant dude calling thor light i just i wouldn't have even though i know i know the connection there but yet i just didn't even i wouldn't have thought of that nickname he's not quite he stole it from he's not quite thor he he reminds me if i can if if you would allow me give me the latitude to to bring it back to wrestling Uh he reminds me of arn anderson you know what i mean he he's he's kind of just the enforcer He's just there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and his job is to protect and to beat the snot out of people. <laughs> so you wouldn't you wouldn't call him Ole Anderson? Uh no, Ole there's no one grumpy enough on the on, on the show to be Ole, so <laughs> I don't know. Ed Harris might make a good run at. Actually, uh, okay, you you will have me uh, backtrack on that one. Ed Harris, Ole Anderson, I I could see that. I could see it. But uh, but just the fact that they bring him back. Yeah. And at first you're like, oh man, Stubbs just couldn't take it. And but then you realize, oh, he's a host too, and he's understanding everything that's going on. And and a great way to really again mess with your perception of, well, now all this stuff that I thought happened. Did it really happen the way? And now I have to go back and and like completely amend yeah. everything that I had watched with this character right. over two seasons, where I didn't see this. I didn't. I really did not see this coming. And now I've got to rethink all of that. And I think that's the great thing that they do is is by adding those wrinkles. They also make you go back right. and start revisiting that that backstory. That now you're like, oh, great! I got to go back and make notes now. <laughs> Because this is all changed, right. Um, right? I thought that was I thought that was a great idea, and of course now, of course, you know he's basically Bernard's enforcer, as you put it, which is perfect, you know. Yeah, and um, and and what what I found interesting with him was like they 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 hinted at him being a host because he let them through at the end of season two, like he allowed, you know, that's right, Dolores and 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 all of well, it was Tessa Thompson, but but let them all through. 
to, to get off of the island. And it was at that point that people started to think or, or came to the conclusion that he was a host. And then this episode basically confirmed it. That's right. So the funny thing about this is, like, I think what – and it was aggravating when it first happened because I did not I, – I caught on to Westworld after season one was over. Mm-hmm. And I caught on to it before season two started. And I just got through all of the episodes before season two started. And I hadn't – I didn't really know when season one had started. So I watched all the way through season two. I'm like, nice. All right. I can't wait for the next – uh, next season and then I looked up how long it is in between seasons I'm like you gotta be freaking kidding me I gotta wait like a year and a half for this crap to come I, seriously I, I know I know it was almost like two years it was incredible yeah but then you realize that you're watching essentially like feature length movies mm-hmm. I mean not not necessarily I mean they're like 60 minutes but I mean this is the production value of these is exceedingly high right right and the and the and the amount of depth and everything else that goes into this, like of course it takes that long to get from one season to the other. But I feel like it it works well having that break because I really do like everything seems very fresh to me now because I've had so long to kind of forget about it. And like I said, I didn't get a chance to rewatch everything yeah. leading up. So for me, it really did kind of catch me by surprise because I I had actually forgotten that part. Mm-hmm. That you just that you just said that he let them through like oh yeah but now I'm remembering it and I feel like adult so thank you for that yeah no worries uh, but you so know, I'm here uh, well well pretty much exactly <laughs> and, and you know I like to serve them to you right up on a tee <laughs> but I will say this is one of my one of the things I thought was funny that uh, that even though I did not watch this show mm. I thought it was hilarious they did it like you put it the cheap fan service with the dragon from Game Game of Thrones ah uh, Drogon yes. And the two guys arguing, like, how are you going to get that out of here? And he's got, like, a buzz. So he's like, in pieces. Wing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to, like, cut the dragon apart. I'm like, wow. That's okay. Yeah. I, I like the callback there. That's a nice little, well, little and, Easter egg and, you threw and, in there. And the two guys, I don't know if you knew this, but the, 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 the two guys were the two executive producers of Game of Thrones. No. Really? Yes. Which Nice. Which, you know, like... I don't ever get into a TV show enough to feel this way about anyone, but those are two of probably the most hated people right now by the fans because because of how they. Oh, yeah. Well, not only have kind of, well the, the the guys who made the Sopranos or like that last season, Sopranos are actually pretty happy with those guys now because like finally somebody else took the heat yes off us. yeah and and no I mean they they it, it wasn't just in how they ended the show but the fact that. Like like last year, last summer, I believe they uh, skipped out on some Comic Con appearances because they just didn't want to deal with the criticism, you know. And well. and 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 some of it I understand because I, I'll be honest, that was going to be a tough show to to close without disappointing people. You know what I mean? Like like like, oh, yeah. like anything else. I mean, it's rare for a show to hit all the right notes on its way out. Some of them can do it. And there've been some occasions when, when they, when they've been able to, I mean, I feel like Battlestar is one of them, but, but that, that one, yeah, they, so it, it was, it was just, you know, it, uh, one HBO property acknowledging the existence of another HBO property was kind of, was kind of funny. So I'm just waiting for like gang world where all of a sudden we do get like a, we get a Sopranos thing yes. happening in there too. And then it's just all, it's now we've realized all HBO shows take place in their own universe and they've been building their own low key. <laughs> like MCU sort of thing this whole time. And that's, I, you know, I think now. HBO had a, had a show like that. Like, like, didn't they have a show that was in like gang times or something like that? Or am I thinking of another channel? 
Like it was in the twenties or something like that. I can't. Oh, Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. Yes. Yes. Was that was that HBO or Showtime? I can't remember. Oh, uh, I don't remember. It might have been Showtime. Yeah, and I'm too lazy to look it up. But anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. And then, of course, we we get to the end of episode two. Oh wait, wait, wait. Oh wait, I'm sorry. What what am I missing? Bernard gets his groove back. I mean, his tablet. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> what is Bernard without a tablet? Oh I mean, he my spent gosh. Two whole seasons with like clinging to that thing like Linus with a with a security blanket, and now he's like, oh, I've got it back. Yeah. You could you just the way he's lovingly like touching it is like oh my tablet this is the one familiar well, thing from my life and and and, and just real quick I, it was just funny with Stubbs how as he's about to leave Westworld again and Stubbs is basically contemplating all right well I gotta off myself again because I'm done yeah and he's like oh one second ding 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 no you're coming with me <laughs> yes yeah. it's like just like the old days and I love how he's like you could have just asked. <laughs> That's brilliant. It was oh. so good. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those two characters interact more. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's gonna be awesome. It's, it's gonna be um, good. And then, of course, we get to the end of episode two, yes. and we get, uh, we get Vincent. Uh, is it Castle or Cassell? Cassell. Cassell. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which, uh, such a great choice. Oh, he is. So, oh, he's awesome. I, I buy him as like the as as that character a hundred percent. Just like. Even when Maeve is just walking there and you catch a glimpse of him, I'm like, yes, yes, that is the guy who is behind everything. <laughs> I buy it 100%. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, man. is And that, that scene with him and Maeve is just, oh, just watching them chew scenery around each other was awesome. Yeah. and, and, oh, and I'm looking forward to that. And what's interesting is, you know, so if you take the implication, then he's able to basically manufacture these um these hosts Mm -hmm. because he he can somehow recreate her right yeah but is it a host or is she actually a real person that he can like control because of this this globy thing which i can't remember what it's called again exactly you said it and it, I, I don't know, because, again, this is this is how far down the rabbit hole I am. Right. I don't know which way is up anymore. No, I, it wouldn't surprise me if that little button thing was like, oh, I can control humans. Click. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I right on. No, I think. Um, yeah. Like you said, I think it's it's, you know, again, to, to the way they, they tell the story and, and the sleight of hand they play. You, you don't know when the simulation ends. And, you know, yeah. so so, of course. On the surface, as I just said, I, I just kind of watched that scene and thought to myself, oh, he must be able to manufacture hosts. He's brought mm-hmm. her back. But the but the fact of the matter is we don't really know if that whole conversation between him and her was taking place in reality or if it was a simulation again or not. Yeah, it's like it's like they've taken Inception and the Matrix and just smashed them together. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it's not even like a smooth like melding them together. It's not even like a Reese's, you know, you got peanut butter or my chocolate you got chocolate in my peanut butter it's like hey you got a train wreck in the middle of my airplane crash yeah and it's just a f- it's a fireball of confusion mm-hmm. and yet i want more yeah oh <laughs> okay. yeah I, I want all the episodes but yet i'm glad that they are i'm glad that they're adhering to like a, a week in between i am very glad because again it's like watchmen where i need that time to digest mm-hmm. i really do because it, oh my gosh, there's just so freaking much going on. It's unbelievable. And so yeah, so for for folks listening, if you watched it, you know, Maeve Maeve come, you know, she's she kind of uh, wakes up, comes out of this this uh, villa, um, finds Vincent Cassell's character, who his name I guess is Engerand Serac. 
Uh, which, oh, which it's like a James Bond name. Basically. It really is, which is, again, why I'm like, yep, I'm in. And she and so what you're referring to is she she basically through the conversation decides she's going to show him how she's in control of her life and so forth and then basically goes and grabs a knife and is going to stab him and, mm-hmm. and he all the, and then she just freezes and he has this device in his hand where he clearly has control over her. Yeah. Um, but what's really telling in their conversation was uh, so he's he's one of the characters who apparently has access to or is is someone who has the ability to. Well, yeah, I guess access. I don't know about control, but but basically has the ability to 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 work with this Rehoboam system. Well, if you believe the, the Dolores's uh, boyfriend there, no one really has control over it. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, right. But he, I think they were talking about it. That's why I, I held back. I think it was about access, not about control. Because he said he mm. can't even access the system. Oh, okay. Yeah, you might be right. And um, and and I believe he gave the name of Serac as one of the few people who does have access. Um, okay. But but you're right. They do make a statement that, or he makes the statement that no one can control the system. Um, yeah. So, but but the most telling thing in their conversation is when he he's trying to recruit her to fight Dolores because he's trying to prevent an event that he knows they're already going to lose, which I found very interesting. Yeah, that's that again. But again, it comes back to kind of that that struggle for humanity with the hosts. Right. Or, or the struggle for for freedom for the hosts, mm-hmm. because, there's, I mean, there's all the odds are against them. You right. know, I mean, and right. it's just it, it's just this. And even now, just when you think, oh, Maeve is, you know, f- she's finally kind of she overcame the fact that she hey, she kind of lost that power to change the hosts in inside the, mm-hmm. the simulation. And then all of a sudden, she okay. Now I figured out the simulation inside the simulation. Ha ha ha! I'm I'm back, you know. I'm back, baby. And then, nope. By the way, there's another layer. You've got a, you've got another hurdle to jump. It's like, oh my gosh! Like can't catch a break. Like go back. Yeah. You know, be not angry with us forever. Yeah. It's kind of thing. Like what's going on? But I fan- oh, two fantastic episodes, dude. Oh, just, they 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 were amazing. They they just were, were oh. so well done and. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm really interested interested to see where where they take us uh, this season. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be good, and, and and I believe we're 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 going to do shows like this uh, for every two episodes, right? That is the hope because we we definitely can't do one every episode, uh, but we'll we'll try and alternate. We'll try yeah. and get back to this and, and cover this because I have a I have a feeling this is going to work its way into other conversations mm-hmm. whether we we want it to or not. But it's a fantastic start. Yes, it is. All right, with that, let's move on to And Another Thing. And Another Thing! So, sir, what do you got for us here as a recommendation and or a little bit of a, a little bit of an extra, a little bit of a, like a director's bonus at the end of this podcast? What do you got, sir? Uh, so, uh, it's, uh, so last week, uh, you know, just, just being on lockdown and kind of uh, looking uh, around at different material to kind of watch uh, in the evening, you know, in the downtime. Uh, I came across, and I think you and I had talked about this a while back, uh, a documentary series called Dark Side of the Ring that was done by Viceland. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And specifically what, what I watched um, was there was an episode about, a two-part episode about Chris Benoit. Um, and, oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. And this is a, so to give the, the listeners some background, they may have heard of Chris Benoit for, for, for less than wonderful reasons. Um, yeah, he, he was a, a, an amazing wrestler, uh, for in, in WCW, WWE. I mean, just 
one of those guys that just made it look real and and just did an amazing amazing job in the ring but just committed a heinous crime you know with with uh you know killing his wife and and son and then himself but this documentary really provided a really balanced and objective you know telling of his life and of what led to what happened and the aftermath of what happened and you know it it really hit in my mind on all the right notes of what what led up to it because it, it you know as as a lot of uh in the documentary his friends kind of describe how they never could have imagined him doing something like this and they work in aspects of the CTE you know that that happens because of all the concussions that come with wrestling and and a lot of other things that could have led up to it um one in particular was just I had really no idea how impactful the death of Eddie Guerrero was on him and, mm. and how he just started spiraling, you know, after that in, 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 in a lot of different ways. So just very interesting, um, very touching ending. Uh, I, I, I got to say, I come away with the documentary uh, thinking very highly of Chris Jericho. He uh, he brought together uh, Chris Benoit's wife's sister. So Nancy Benoit, her, her sister. And Chris's mm-hmm. son, who used to be family, um, and, and it ends on a really nice note where they're actually kind of brought back together or had been brought back together. They've, they've kind of reforged a relationship. And and you can tell that Jericho and like Chavo Guerrero and those guys who are part of that group in the late 90s, early 2000s, clearly watching out for, for Chris's kid and and and, you know, really, you know, trying to trying to help him uh, because it was just a heinous thing for, for the for that kid to live through and to have to deal with after the fact you know, just, just the repercussions of it all, um, you know, yeah. afterwards. So, uh, just, just a recommendation. I mean, you know, sorry, I'll apologize in advance. It's not the brightest of stories, but it's, but it's, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, it's, it's really an interesting look at, at, at the wrestling business as a whole. Um, just, you, you forget these guys who are on and these ladies who who are on, on TV, the, that, you know, they're, they're putting their bodies through a lot. And, yeah. and, and all, all in the name of making us cheer or boo or entertain us. And it, it, it was a very humanizing story. And, and I just think it's, you know, if you're into wrestling and you, you, know, you kind of live through that period, it, I, I think you'd find it a very balanced retelling of that and just a very interesting documentary overall. There, there's other, uh, other topics they cover as part of it, but, but that one in particular was, was my end and other thing. Nice. Well, I'm actually going to change mine up in midstream because when you were when you were talking about, you know, kind of the idea of being on lockdown and, and things that we're getting into over the past few days, I just I have found myself listening to the same album uh, at the kind of the beginning of the day. And mm-hmm. it's an album that I wish I could tell everybody to go out and buy. However, it's it is really hard to get a hold of. Uh, it is called uh, Ray Charles, A Message from the People. And it is. It is a fantastic album. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, and I, I would have to dig into this more than the five seconds I just kind of decided to do this mm-hmm. to figure out why, but uh, the the Ray Charles catalog is really tough to come by on any streaming service. I don't know why that is. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's some some rights issues. I know that Ray owned a lot of his own masters and stuff, so I'm not exactly sure what the deal is with that. However, the the downside of that is some of the Ray Charles albums that I've had, then I've I've lost like a CD or whatever. I can't get them because they I can't get them on iTunes or anything like that. They're just not available. This is an album that uh, I was actually gifted. I was gonna buy it off of Amazon, and then someone got it for me. So thankfully, uh, I have it on vinyl. But it is it is a fantastic album, and it's from 1972. 
it is Ray at the height of his powers. And it starts off with kind of a, almost like a public domain kind of gospel-ish song called Lift Every Voice and Sing. And then it starts getting into these kind of social issues kind of songs about stuff that's just, that is timeless because you're dealing with inequality. And at the time he's talking about one type of inequality, but there is always inequality. And so you're, you're always kind of dealing with these issues uh, throughout history. And that's why I, I kind of describe this as a masterpiece of an album because masterpieces are timeless because mm. they are done in such a way that the themes, even though they are applicable in, at the time they were written, they are applicable in other situations because you can, you can read into them. So so differently, just depending on where you're at in the world at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, A side is fantastic, and then uh, you know, kind of B sides gets a little bit heavy. Like the first, uh, first, uh, like especially the second song, which is uh, called Abraham Martin and John, which is talking about Abraham Lincoln, Martin Le- Martin Luther King Jr. and John Kennedy. Oh, nice. And then it also brings in Robert Kennedy at the end, and it's it's of course talking about um, about equality and mm-hmm. and. And 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 uh, you know, d- stuff that I'm totally unqualified to really speak about intelligently. But it is, it's a it's a it's a great song. It is it is emotional to listen to it. I found, and then it's kind of good because then the the end of the album kind of gets leavened a little bit because it has. <laughs> this is so weird that uh, you go from that song to "Take Me Home, Country Roads." Oh. <laughs> But I will say this, like, I mean, John Denver, that's a great song. You can't, I mean, even if you're not a John Denver fan, that song, if you are, if you are listening to it and someone is singing it at a bar, mm-hmm. you are going to sing along. Oh, yeah. You can't help it. Nope. You cannot help it. It's in your DNA somewhere mm-hmm. that that chorus comes around and you're like, you are right there with everyone else. Mm-hmm. I think Ray's version is actually better than the original. And then you get into this other song, Every Saturday Night, which is just funky as all get out mm-hmm. and is just fantastic. And then the album actually finishes with Ray Charles's uh, version of America the Beautiful, which for me is like the most gorgeous version of that song ever. Nice. It is It is beautiful. So that, I, it's just a great, I don't know what it is about the past like week or so, that, but that has been kind of my, my morning routine and my... Uh, the balm on <laughs> of, of a healing balm for uh, my soul starting out the day, just kind of with the world being a little bit topsy turvy uh, as it is right now. That has been one of the things I've been I, I've been going to, and you can probably find some of the songs on YouTube if I can find a couple. I'll link them. Uh, if I can find a place where you can get this album, I will link that too. Because man, if you can get a hold of this thing, it is well, well, well worth the time and the money. Mm-hmm. And that's. That's all I got to say about that. So thank you very much, everybody, for for listening, and we really appreciate it. Uh, feel free to recommend us to a friend, an enemy, uh, a frenemy, a co-worker, uh, strangers on the street. I mean, we're not picky whatsoever. We just want to get them listened. That's all we want. So go ahead and tell everybody you know about free-range idiocy. Be sure to subscribe, follow us, download every single podcast, listen to it 10 or 12 times, mm-hmm. and annoy everybody that you know with all the little trivial bits of knowledge and dumb jokes that you pick up from us. So uh, right now, we're going to, we're going to, ha- I'm going to hand, we, uh, there's two of us on this, and I'm talking about you. Is so the cat in the I. room? Is the cat in the room? <laughs> Actually, the cat is in the room. Well, so, 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 so we is appropriate then. She managed to sneak back in on me for a, for a, for a very... Fairly sizable cat. She's light on her feet. She <laughs> snuck in on me. 
So, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm going to hand this off to the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show. Oh, come on. And uh, I'm going to say, uh, Mr. Tim, would you take us home? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in week three of, of, of lockdown. And, uh, you know, above all, we need to, you know, keep being healthy, keep, keep apart, people. Separation is good right now. Um, <laughs> so please, uh, you know, hunker down, watch a little Westworld. Get, Are you trying to say we need to come together in our separateness? Uh, kind of. <laughs> Be unified in our division. <laughs> oh. I'm so confused. <laughs> and confusion is exactly what, what Westworld will provide for you. So if you are looking for a show that, that will, will tax your mind, will, will take you for a ride and have you guessing as to what is real, what is fake, and my gosh, what what reality is Maven this time? Um, please, you know, have ha- have a gander, take a look, enjoy. Um, but 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 please, you know, folks, uh, there, there's enough TP to go around for everyone. Let's let let's oh let's, yes. let's please, uh, you, you know, you, use a sound mind, sound body when we're at the grocery store. Let's let's think of a think of another, and and, and leave a little bit on the shelf uh, for for someone else. Uh, be safe, be healthy, and above all else. Please hit the lights on the way out. I can't take the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. I don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Country roads, take me home. To the place. To the place. I belong. West Virginia. Mountain mama. I forget this word. (laughs) Take me home. Country Country roads. There we go. (laughs) And that's how we do it. That's how we do it. (laughs) 